clear for takeoff my name is jason and it has been a while about three weeks i think if i can uh, if i can remember correctly here i apologize for the delay we've had some some interruptions some difficulties some scheduling errors uh, home ownership that's really the big one been working on some remodel stuff in my new place but uh, we're here we're back and uh, if everything goes as planned we'll be back regularly scheduled every week Hopefully on Fridays, but uh, every week nonetheless, and we'll go from there, and we'll get back into the normal routine of things. I'm glad you guys are being patient with me and sticking with it. I'm uh, getting some good feedback on stories and and the the show as a whole. So that's all that's all excellent news. So let's get right back to it. I got a couple of quick ones for you. Um, really encouraging stuff on a couple of the first couple stories here. So, right to it. One of my biggest dreams, I'll tell you straight away, is is to build and then fly my own airplane. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and, and that's just it's something I want to do. I've always wanted to do it. Uh, it's not in the cards anytime soon, unfortunately, but that's a dream of mine that I'm going to try to fulfill. Uh, this kid, and I, I mean kid literally, this kid did basically that he didn't build one from scratch but he did restore an airplane and it's absolutely awesome story comes from back in uh, first part of october here uh, dylan Barron is the young man's name and he just recently turned 20 in june he spent a good portion of his teen years with an eye to the past as he restored a 1950s-era Cessna 170B. First of all, I'm jealous that he's got a 170B. My grandfather owned a 170. I love the airplane. I've always wanted one. Uh, it's something I, I would love to own at some point. If this kid and his father decided they were going to restore one. So his Mike, or his dad, his dad's name is Mike. He, Mike's an AMP and a, an inspector. And he helped in the process and made sure that it was all done to code and legal and whatnot. But he claims, or he states in here that Dylan did most of the work himself. It says, Dylan says, I was born and raised in aviation. My father and grandfather both flew for TWA Airlines. And my father started Baron Aviation, a business that rebuilds Cessna 195s. So I guess you could say I was born and raised around the old classics. I love the old radial engines. I grew up in the shop working with my dad. It says here, in, as a preteen, Darren Dylan, Dylan uh, 
learned to fly model aircraft. By the time he was 14, he had learned to fly gliders. Quote, I soloed a glider on my 14th birthday. On my 16th birthday, I set a record for soloing the most conventional aircraft in one day. My dad as the instructor. The video, there's actually a video on YouTube of this day. On his 16th birthday, Dylan is uh, seen soloing seven aircraft. Ranging from classic Cessna singles to a twin beach. Another airplane my grandpa actually owned at one time. So they went through this process and they decided they were going to restore a 170B. Dylan began the restoration on his 170B when he was just 14 years old. How many kids do you know that are 14 that have the, the wherewithal or more importantly the attention span to dedicate the time and energy it is to restore an airplane. It, it's just, this is a, so inspiring. He says, quote, The airplane had been sitting derelict on the ramp at the, at the airport in Hannibal, Missouri, across the river from Perry, for about 20 years. It had been blown around in the storms and was pretty beat up and in rough shape. The rudder was all beat apart. It was home to all sorts of critters and insects. It had bird's nest, mud daubers, virtually every kind of bug you can think of was in there. There was there were mouse nests in the headliner, which has a zipper. It was a hot and sticky day, the day I went to unzip it, and when I did, the insulation comes raining down, sticking to my face, and baby mice were hitting the floor. My father offered me a proposal. He said he would buy the project and supply the parts if I did all the work. Then we'd have an airplane to fly around. Dylan agreed, and soon he found himself inside the cabin of that airplane that had been sitting on the ramp and neglected since before he was born. Pretty amazing. The story here talks about his process, and there's some video that goes with it. The... The first step, obviously, was to dismantle the airplane. The parts were removed, inspected, and either were cleaned or replaced. Although the airplane had passed through at least three different owners, there was su- sufficient paperwork to recreate the airplane's history and therefore the original appearance. That was, that was Dylan's uh, plan all along, was to take this back to factory fresh original. He says, we found a lot of documentation on it, and there were some unusual things as well. For example, although the airplane rolled out of the Cessna factory in late November of 1953, the serial number assigned to it put it on, put it on the Cessna rolls as a 1954 aircraft. Pretty, pretty amazing, actually. It goes through um, morbid here and says... Where's this button? Um, oh, it talks about uh, specific little intricacies that they found in the documentation. For instance, my dad and I worked on, it says, quote here, my dad and I worked on on it, and my grandfather, John, who is also an AMP, found details in the aircraft manual on how to tie-wrap the ignition leads. So he did the ones on the airplane the old-fashioned way. Additionally, there were some cosmetic flaws in the details of the airplane that they recreated on purpose. Quote, because that's how it came from the factory. For example, the letter C in the word Cessna on the side of the tail is squared. 
But on the other side, the letter C is more rounded in appearance. In addition, the letter A has a thick side and a thin side. It's sort of flipped on the other side of the tail. Also, the paint in the dorsal side of the airplane is not symmetrical. The paint line starts on one side of the rivet on a rivet sooner than it is on the other side, so the paint line is off-center. We put all the flaws back in because they're unique to this airplane. It's just a great way to, to, to look at it. I, I think this is way better than going back and making it a showpiece. I, I, I really am struck by how, um, how specific and true to form this kid was while he was doing this. You know, going to school is just, just a, a project for him and his dad. It's, a, it's, really, it's really awesome. It says here, to get the colors right, he carefully matched chips of paint that were found on the components when they were removed. Quote, we found examples of the original blue under the Venturi. There was no ultraviolet light damage, no fading, so it was perfect. Back in those days, gloss paint wasn't around, so when we repainted the airplane, we took care to give the clear coat a sort of matted appearance, like it would have been in the 50s. They took hours and hours to polish the metal back to its factory original form. It says, quote, I even had the cockpit metal replated and re-chromed. Says, although smoking is not prohibited in the airplane, smoking was fashionable during the airplane's heyday. And he said, as he said, po- pointing to the ashtrays that he had repurposed. It's, it's just, it's incredible. So they get the airplane done. It says, uh, it says here that Dylan finished the airplane in time to take his private pilot checkride in it on his 17th birthday. And he's been flying it ever since. They admit the hang the airplane will not become a hangar queen. It's a flying, go someplace, do something airplane. But he's not sure how much time he'll get in the next few months because he's enrolled in, as a flight operations management uh, major at the University of Central Missouri and be focusing on school. So after they got this airplane done, they decided to show it. And so they went to, they flew it to this past year's Sun and Fun in, in Lakewood, Florida. His display for the airplane includes, uh, not only does, they, does it look like it has a factory radio, it says, quote, we also took out a radio that had been added after 1954 and put the correct vintage one, a Lear radio, back in for display. They do have a modern radio in it, but they took the so the airplane looks original from all facets, and for his display, they added a vintage headset, an E6B flight computer, and a 1950s sectional map. That it's that's awesome. In addition, some 1950s era suitcases and a fedora hat box in the back seat add the finishing touch for the static display. Dylan calls it a time capsule. And it worked. Because at Sun and Fun this past year, they took home the award for the best restored classic as well as the Youth Achievement Award for Sun and Fun. Just awesome. I'm jealous. I'm amazed. I'm proud. I think it's 
I think it's incredible when kids at a young age get into into uh, airplanes and aviation, and the fact that this kid was dedicated enough to put in the time and energy and effort uh, as a young child to play or to to put the to restore this airplane that was obviously pretty pretty well um, beat up is just incredible and and. His work paid off, as as you can see that he went and, and won this award. I'll put the link in the in the show description. Go check out the pictures. The airplane is absolutely beautiful. Because the the article has a, a lot of full color, really nice professional photos and a couple of videos, and the airplane is just incredible. I'm 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 really jealous, actually. And the the um the amazement, or not the amazement, but the the dedication of kids to get into a- aviation, uh, I don't know that it's growing necessarily, I, but I do think it's important. I've seen a lot of people benefit strongly, for myself included, from uh, being in a- aviation or being around airplanes or whatnot from a young age. And there's a program currently going on in Michigan that is intended to do just that. Everybody knows about the EAA. Or I won't say everybody, but a lot of people in the aviation community know about the EAA, the Experimental Aircraft Association. Um, and it's not just about experimental aircraft. Their their biggest draw is uh, bringing airplane owners, builders, admirers, people that are interested. They have a program called Young Eagles, which is for kids, obviously. the The idea is just to bring all of those people together in a common place, in a common bound or a, a bind, and just airplanes, just be about and for airplanes and take away the stresses of it and whatnot. And the local chapter in this local chapter in Michigan, let's see where it's at here, at the Brighton Airport in Brighton Township, Michigan, local chapter 384 is sponsoring what they're calling Brighton Build-A-Plane and is supported by money that a local um, a local participant has put up. It says, it says here that a group of teens and adults are constructing a small airplane from scratch in a local hangar or a small hangar at the Brighton Airport. The teens and some of their parents and mentors will experience building planes are roughly, or with, rather, the the teens, some of their parents and mentors with experience building planes are roughly six months into building an RV-12, which is an experimental uh, home-built aircraft that's uh, a light sport in this case, uh, the smaller two-place ones. Building an RV-12 light sport aircraft, it is a kit, the kit includes all the parts and detailed step-by-step instructions, and their guess is it will take them a total of a year. The pressure, and they, they say here, and the pressure is to build it to fly and to be safe to do so. Quote, uh, this quote is from Jack Havland, the coordinator and hangar owner of the, and the coordinator of the Brighton Build-A-Plane project. It says, quote, our plan is that people who are helping to build it will eventually at least to get a ride in it. Hopefully some will be able to take flight instruction in it. 
There are jokes we, that we hope we put it together right, but these are safe airplanes, and they are instructed, constructed very strongly. Jack Havlin said a FAA administration official would inspect it first and, quote, before you take any passengers, you have to fly the airplane for a certain number of hours to make sure all the systems work correctly, end quote. So the local project is, uh, or the local chapter, like I said, Chapter 384, has put the project together, and it's designed to give kids and adults who may have an interest in aviation a chance to see what it's like building an airplane, and then get them involved without having to spend a lot of money themselves. One of those kids, Patrick Rosso, 15, of Milford, Michigan, comes to the hangar twice a week on Monday evenings and Saturday mornings with his dad to, quote, learn how to use tools and my way around the workshop. His dad says, we're working on the wings and other guys are working on the skins for them. We are getting close to putting those together. 15 years old, learning how to use the tools and build an airplane. The story says that the tail section itself is already done. The cockpit and front sections will come next. And in addition to putting together the inner structure and the skins to cover it, this particular airplane is mostly aluminum. And the group will also install things like control instruments, electrical wiring, and lights. It says here that or the project mem- one of the project mentors, Ralph Hukana, said, quote unquote, or said, uh, riveting parts together is probably the largest task. Quote, you have to deburr the edges. Holes in this kit are already punched, and the skin coverings that go uh, over it has matching holes to line up. Lucas Ambler, a 16-year-old of Brighton, said he is heavily interested in aviation and is considering going to the U.S. Air Force or the Navy. Quote, because I came in here, I would not have been able to, or this is before I came in here, I would not have been able to identify a lot of the parts. Now I can dissect the airplane we're building and tell you every single part, what it does, and what it's for at 16 years old. Alec, Alec Wisinski is only 13 years old, also of Brighton, so he's more interested in learning how to build the plane than he is to fly it. Quote, says, quote, it teaches basic math. We're doing fractions to figure out measurements. Wisinski is, is uh, Havlin, the, the coordinator's grandson in the story. Colin Burton, also 13, of Genoa Township, plans to fly planes as a hobby. He would follow in the footsteps of his father, Jason, who has his private pilot's license. Building an airplane is right up his alley because, quote, I'm very mechanical. I have hobby-grade remote control cars, and I'm always taking them apart and doing stuff to them. Keith Walker, a board member of the Brighton Airport Association, says, quote, We take several of them up for flights in our own airplanes to give them a taste of what the controls are like and teach them how the airplane works. We have speakers come in to talk about careers. This gives them good insight into what it's all about. Really interesting stuff, really inspiring story going on in uh, Michigan. As always, I'll link that post over as well. Um, there's a link in the in the story itself to more information about the Brighton Build-A-Plane Project and how to get involved if you want to help uh, support. If you're in the Michigan, Brighton, Michigan area and would like to be part of the uh 
the building process or, or help out financially or what have you. It's really, I, I love this stuff. I love that, that these kids are, are getting involved and learning about airplanes and learning about teamwork and building and working with their hands and stuff like that. You know, it's stuff like this. It doesn't just have to be airplanes, but it's stuff like this that helps keep kids off the streets and out of trouble and, um, and engaged. And I think that's the, the most important part. So really good stuff between those two. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really impressed. So we got this next one here is a little bit different. It's not about, uh, it's not about these kids, but some of you may be familiar with the, the Reno air race show that happens, uh, every year in Reno, obviously. And you know that some of those airplanes are just incredibly powerful, super custom. Uh, a lot of them are, are, uh, retired Warbird airplanes, but they've been highly modified. I mean, they're, they're not even close to the way they were in service. One of those uh, that's actually really, really common, really popular is the P-51 Mustang known as Precious Metal. It's a yellow airplane. It's insanely modified. It's worth all kinds of money. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's one of the fastest uh, unlimited class airplanes in the race as of right now. Um, But unfortunately, last month... uh, Last month, Precious Metal and his pilot, Thom Richard, were on their way to the annual pilgrimage to the Nevada desert in Reno, or just outside of Reno, for the week of hardcore pilot racing at the, at the Reno Air Races. And on the, on, or in the, the process, they, they made a fuel stop. It doesn't say where exactly in here. But they made a fuel stop on their way to, on their way to Reno, and the airplane itself, Precious Metal, caught fire in the engine compartment. Um, I've seen the video. It's it's pretty uh, it's pretty sad, honestly. Uh, Tom Richard made it out unharmed, but Precious Metal itself suffered major damage as a result of the fire. Obviously, he didn't make it to the races, and and didn't get to participate. So, as you can well imagine. An airplane of this caliber and of and of this uh, uh, steam is exceptionally expensive to do maintenance on and work on, and you take uh, one of the most iconic engines of all time, the the Allison V12 that's in uh, that's in these Mustangs, it's also made in conjunction with Rolls Royce back in the in the 40s. Uh, it's a V12, 12 cylinder, mix ridiculous amounts of horsepower but they're exorbitantly expensive to maintain and to operate let alone rebuild after a fire so uh so thom richards making a ploy or has a plan to try to get precious metal back on its feet back in the air and back to reno for the races and he's doing so with a gofundme page and now i would i would normally not uh, condone or not condone, but not uh, endorse GoFundMe um, campaigns for the most part. Uh, I think there are better, more. I don't want to say legitimate. That's not a fair term, but less plea. You know, crying out with your hand out for help, kind of thing. Ways to go about raising money for your cause, and there are some good causes on GoFundMe. Don't get me wrong. 
I just choose to donate or be charitable in in my own ways than just somebody that all the all the effort they might put in. And, and not, like I said, I'm not saying this is the case for everybody in GoFundMe, but um, unfortunately, there's a lot of people on the GoFundMe style sites that all they do is put the energy in for 10 minutes to make a GoFundMe link on on the website. And then they post it on their Facebook page and sit back and wait for people to just hand them money for no reason. Um, and I, I severely disagree with that, unfortunately. So that's not that's not what's going on here, in my opinion. Um, uh, Mr. Richard is working on his own, as is his team, uh, for Precious Metal to put the airplane back together and get it back to race quality, like they would in any condition. But as you can imagine, it's going to be exorbitantly expensive. In fact, I think their stretch goal for GoFundMe is half a million dollars. Um, and, and that's not unreasonable. I mean, this airplane's worth probably $2 million, $3 million the way it sits. So that doesn't surprise me. But obviously, it's hard to come up with that kind of money on short notice. It's not like, you know, having to do a, uh, you know, a ten or $15,000 dollar uh, routine maintenance that they have to do. This is a $500,000 bill that just got sprung on them out of the blue. So he came up with a plan. And his his plan is to offer real estate on the side of the airplane. So the way that the GoFundMe works is anyone who contributes at least $50, five zero, at least $50 to the cause to re, rebuild um, precious metal. Well, basically, the, the for fifty dollars you get a one inch by one inch square of real estate on the side of the airplane's fuselage, and in that real estate you can put pretty much anything in it you want, for the most part, within reason, of course. You can send in pretty much any picture to attach to the airplane. Quote a picture of you, your friends, family pet, or anything else you'd like within decency limits they mentioned to print on the aircraft in a fan-based mosaic that will race around the course again at the world's fastest motorsport in Reno. If you want a bigger picture, simply donate more money. The airplane has, uh, it says here the airplane has returned home. Finally, they, they were able to get it home to, to Kissimmee, Florida to their home base at Warbird Adventures. And as of the writing, the story is a little less. So I, I went and checked again today, and as of the recording of this episode, on the twenty fifth of October, they've raised a little over eighteen eighteen thousand dollars. Obviously, a long way from uh, from five hundred thousand dollars. But there's a lot of people that are involved and want to help. And and if you want to be the same, and you want to be on the side of a very iconic. Um, world-class racing airplane at Reno. I'll link it in the in the description, and there's a link on there to the GoFundMe page. And you don't have to donate fifty dollars. I mean, if that's too much for you, that's not required. That's just the base that they set to get uh, your picture or whatever you'd like on the side of the airplane as part of the mosaic. So, uh, fifty dollars is a one by one square. You want more room, more money, and. Uh, and I mean, there's some people on there that donated hundreds of dollars that by, I mean, as far as I can tell, are going to get obviously much larger areas, but it's going to look, it's going to be neat too, to see when they get this airplane back up and running, to see this mosaic, to see 
the hundreds or thousands of pictures of families and people and and supporters in that that have made uh, made that happen because it's obviously a obviously a tough challenge. So we're getting a little bit longer on time here than I wanted, but I got one more quick story for you. I had a couple others, but I'm gonna I'm gonna postpone them till next week and see if anything new comes up that I'm missing. But I do have one quick one I want to share that I think is pretty funny actually. Um, I wanted to do this a couple weeks ago when it came out. Uh, it's almost a month old now, but the pro- the the program is still in place. It was just funnier about a month ago because the Pope was in town. And it's not funny because the Pope is in town. It's what's funny is the impact of the Pope's presence on traffic. So as you can well imagine, in New York City, when the Pope comes to town, New York City traffic is god-awful anyway. But when the Pope or somebody of that caliber comes to town, it just destroys the traffic flow in any city, let alone one of the busiest cities, most popular cities in the, in the world. So somebody has come up with a plan. And it's not just, like I said, it's not just in reference to the Pope being here. This is a new program that is around, that they're trying to expand as much as possible. Uh, but this, in, in, uh, in particular, was referenced to the Pope. The story is from September 24th, like I said, uh, about a month ago, uh, from The Verge. And it goes as such. It says three miles. Three miles. That's how far it is via the surface streets between the helicopter ports, the heliports, on the east and west sides of Manhattan, the long, narrow island best known as the nexus of New York City. Full disclosure, I've never been to New York. I would love to go. That's one of the places on my bucket list, but I have not been there yet. But I understand it is... uh, horrendously congested and getting just a few miles can take you a long time so three miles are where the two heliports are on either side of manhattan it says not in a million years according to the the verge story quote not in a million years did i think there would be a market for a helicopter service to ferry people from one side of of manhattan to the other three miles very narrow Blade, which is basically helicopter for Ubers, or a, a helicopter version of Uber, um, it's called Blade, and uh, they, they use helicopters and smaller aircraft, but most notably helicopters, is letting you get around the Pope-related traffic, like I said, this is about a month ago, but and that, that could be replaced with New York City traffic, or president presidential traffic, or there's a football game traffic. You know, it's any big city has has problems like this. So Blade, which is Uber for helicopters more or less. It says here, lets you get around the Pope related traffic and street shutdowns in Manhattan with trips between its East 34th Street and West 30th Street bases for $95. There you go. You can just bypass Manhattan altogether from one end to the other or one edge to the other. It says, on a good weekday, navigating Manhattan eastward and westward is an exercise in madness, and that's when most of the streets are open. A trip from one side of Manhattan to the other in a cab in the middle of the day might end up costing $30 or more and suck up an hour of your time. Blades Helicopters, to go the same distance to the same points, takes five to eight minutes. 
albeit at $95. But how much is your time worth? It says here, if you want to assign a Wall Street banker-like figure to the value of your time, what's your time worth? And you absolutely must get from 1st Avenue to 11th, you must be able to somehow justify the insanity of spending $95 to do it. So Blade sent out an email to all of its, um, all of its users reference the Pope's arrival, but this applies to any other uh, major events that, that could take place in, in, uh, in the future. It says here, according to Blade's email press release, Due to popular demand by our users, on Friday, September 25th, Blade will be offering flights between the west side and the east side of Manhattan during normal and evening rush hour time periods when traffic will be most impacted by the concurrent visits of the Pope, President, and UN delegates. Flights will depart from and arrive at the Blade Lounge at the west side heliport at 30th Street, west side highway, and the Blade Lounge and east side heliport at East 34th Street, FDR Drive. For the morning rush, our period between the hours of 7.45 and 10 a.m., and then again in the evening rush hour periods between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. The flights will be operated by Liberty Helicopter and Zip Aviation, and the trip duration will be between 5 and 8 minutes. Flights are priced at $95 per seat and can be purchased on the Blade app. There's an app for that. There's always an app for that. But this is just, this is awesome. And it says here that they have to always include the, the, the safety, the, the technicalities, I guess. It says, given the sensitivity regarding transportation in the New York area during the next two days, the following restrictions will apply. This is referenced any time that these kind of events will happen when there's a, a significant figure in the vicinity. TSA will be on site at each heliport for passenger screening prior to boarding. No baggage will be allowed beyond purses and briefcase, uh, briefcases. No alcohol will be permitted in the Blade lounges or in the flight. Since both heliports are located on the waterfront, all flights will be routed around the southern tip of Manhattan. No flights will be permitted to fly over the city. So there you go. It's, uh, it's Uber for New York City, but in the air. So you can get up, over, and around all of that terrible traffic. I think the idea is really cool. Um, this one in particular was spe- specific to the Pope's arrival last month, uh, but I could see this taking off, really, no pun intended, um, but I could see this taking off in the big cities for, uh, you know, for people that need that kind of time or that have that kind of time that they, uh, that a, a five-minute trip is much more valuable than a one-hour drive. You know what I mean? So I, it's it's pretty funny. I think it would be it'd be interesting to see. Let's say down in like San Francisco. I mean, they do helicopter tours and stuff. But let's say you live, uh, you live on the in the the North Bay side, and you know you work down by the Presidio or something. Well, you, by the time you get across the bridges and through the tolls and all that crap. I mean, that could take you a long time, or you could be on a you know five minute helicopter ride. So it's a it's an interesting process. But that's gonna about do it for us this week. Um, like I said, I, I apologize for the delay in the shows. It's been a couple weeks since we've been here, but like I said, we're back. I got got all my projects and the scheduling conflicts and 
issues and everything else out of the way. Um, so we're going to be back regularly scheduled every week with new stories. If you see anything you want to talk about, send it to me. Let me know. Put it on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash takeoff. As always, iTunes, SoundCloud, um, preferably iTunes if you guys don't mind. And head over there and leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. Um, I don't know that I've got, I haven't checked in a while. I don't know that we have any yet, but just, a, a, you know, whatever star rating you think is applicable and write a quick little review. It lets people know that we're legit, that it's a, it's a good show, that people enjoy it, and it could potentially lead us to, to other options or other availabilities for product reviews or for interviews or special guests or, you know, going to conventions or stuff like that. It, it, uh, it's only going to make the show better. So... If you don't mind, over there at, uh, at iTunes, rate and review, and subscribe, and then uh, let me know on Facebook how you think it's going, and if there's anything you want to talk about. But that's going to do it for me today. My name is Jason, as always. This has been Clear for Takeoff. You guys have been awesome, and I will see you next week. See ya.